Amen. If you have a Bible, go please to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 14, and we're going to be reading at first at verse 6. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6 this evening. As we look to the life of a, an often uh, preached about man of God named Caleb, uh, the Bible talks about a man who took a mountain as his possession, his inheritance, a mountain inhabited by giants, no less. And this evening, I want to share with you about how to conquer a mountain. How many of you have some mountains that need conquering in your life? I had a feeling that was about the case. Every one of us has some dreams that we want to obtain, some goals that we want to achieve. Some of us have some challenges we need to overcome and some enemies to fight. And tonight, I want to speak to you about how to conquer a mountain. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6, the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kizanite, said to him, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord God fully. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever. Because you have followed the Lord your God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let, has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke to the, the words to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and for coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there, that's the giants, with great and fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege of being in your house and hearing your word. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that faith would rise into the hearts of this your people. That we might go forward and conquer in the mighty name and power of Jesus Christ. We ask that in, in Jesus' name and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Aren't you glad for this praise and worship team that God has given us? Let's give them a hand tonight. Praise God for them. How to conquer a mountain. I want you to get in your mind the picture of the mountain that you want to conquer. The mountain that God has called you. 
designed you, purposed you to conquer. Do you have that picture in your mind yet? That's, that's a no. I didn't hear anybody. Do you have that picture in your mind yet? Can you see the giants that you need to take down? Can you see the mountain that has been put before you? Some of you have been a dreaming and planning your whole life for the great thing that, that God has promised you. And maybe you have taken part of it, but not the whole. And there is a, a, a desire in the heart of the believer to progress, to go forward. At least this is true in my life, and it ought to be true in your life, that we always know there's more. There must be more. There's more with God. There's more from God. There's more for me, for my family. And we don't get content with what we uh, have, but we desire to go forward, to progress, and to grow. The Bible tells us about the nation of Israel, and I have to give you a little background in order to understand the story of Caleb. But the nation of Israel came out of Egypt by the hand of God. They had been slaves there for 400 years. A nation of nearly 2 million people perhaps came out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses. And they wandered in the wilderness for a couple of years as God prepared them and gave them the tabernacle and the, the system of worship that they were going to use in order to uh, access God. And then when they came to the place that God said, all right, I'm going to move you into the promised land. This land which I promised to Abraham, your, your father and your fathers. This land flowing with milk and honey. And he brought them to the edge of the Jordan in a place called Kedesh Barnea. While they were there, they sent spies into the land. They sent 12 men, one from every tribe. In order to go into that land and to see the things that God was about to give them. Those men went into the land. The Bible said that for 40 days they spied out that land. They saw all that God had promised. And they were astonished. They were amazed. Their mouths watered as they thought about the milk and the honey. They thought about the provisions, the blessing, the abundance, and the greatness of that land. But they also saw challenges in that land. They saw that it was a land inhabited by giants. And they became afraid. When they came back to Moses and they came back to the nation of Israel, to the people waiting in the wilderness on the other side of the Jordan, they uh, began to give their report. And ten of the twelve said, no way, Jose, can't be done. This is too big of a challenge. There's giants in that land and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And they will eat us for lunch if we try to go into that land. And that message, that evil report uh, that was brought by those ten spies created a fear and an anxiety in the heart of the people such that they were not able to believe God anymore for his provision of the promises which he had made to them and to their fathers. And I just want you to use that tonight as a warning against taking to heart the words of the negative and the unbelieving in your life. There are always going to be negative people in your life. You can't help that, but you don't have to listen to them. All right, you need to put them on that channel like uh, Charlie Brown's parents. They just go wah, 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 wah. You just have to tune them out because if you listen to the voice of the enemy, you listen to the voice of the negative in your life, you're going to begin to believe 
like they do. You're going to begin to think like they do, begin to act like they do. They say you'll never move out of the projects. You'll always live in poverty. You're never going to uh, own a car. You're always going to be uh, in this situation. You're always going to be in this matter. You're never going to achieve that dream. You're not capable of it. We are, uh, we are just not destined for that, they say. And they, they are speaking those things which if you take them to your heart will cancel out your ability to achieve the promise of God in your life. So tune them out. Be, put, the, put them on silent because you need to hear the voice of God. Of the 12, 10 said no. Two of them stood up and said, yes, we can. Their names were Joshua and Caleb. And these two men said, we can take the country. And they said, yes, there are giants in that land, but those giants will be our lunch. We can overcome, we can conquer, and we can possess the land. And the scripture said that the people gave heed to the voice of the ten, ignoring Joshua and Caleb, and they refused to enter the land because of fear. At this point, God said, all right, nation of Israel, you are not going to enter the land of promise. All of this generation of unbelievers is going to die in the wilderness. And I am going to raise up a new generation. A generation that dares to believe me. And God said, I'm going to raise up a generation that will trust me, that will believe me, and I'm going to give them the promised land. And so everyone that was 20 years or older at the time that the spies crossed into Jordan died in the wilderness during the next 40 years. For 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. They wandered in a desert and they, uh, they were near the land but they couldn't possess it. They couldn't enjoy it. They couldn't in, in, in obtain it. And every single one of that unbelieving generation died in the wilderness and God raised up a, a new generation. And God led these men by Joshua into the promised land. And when we arrive at Joshua chapter 14, many years have passed now. And the nation of Israel has gone through a hard journey. In fact, 45 years have passed since Kadesh Barnea. And the nation of Israel has finally entered the promised land. And Caleb ha has now become an older man, 85 years old. At that point, we might be saying he should be nearing retirement. At that point, we might say, well, you know, it didn't work out. He had a big dream. It didn't happen. At least he tried. But Caleb was not about to take that. He went to Joshua and he said, Joshua, I want the mountain that God promised me. I want the land that God promised me. I want to possess everything that God promised to me in my life. And tonight, I believe there are some people in this house who have the spirit of Caleb who say, God, it's taken me a long time. I have made some missteps. I've taken some detours. I have wasted some time. But I am not going to give up and I'm not going to give in until I possess the land of the promise that you have made to me and to my family. If that's you, shout amen. So Joshua, uh, uh, Caleb does five things that you and I have to do. If we want to conquer our mountain. And these are expressed in five phrases. So if you have your Bible open, keep it open. Because we're going to underline some things tonight that I hope you will take to heart. Joshua chapter 14 verse 6. The first thing that he does. He says 
to, uh, to Joshua. Caleb comes to Joshua and he says to Joshua, he says, Joshua, you know the word that God spoke through his servant Moses. That phrase right there, I want you to underline it. You know the word which the Lord spoke. That's the first thing you and I have to know and, and, and understand and do. In order to possess the mountain that God has for us, we need to know the word of God. We need to know what God has said. We need to know what God has promised. You cannot possess your mountain. You cannot conquer your mountain if you don't know what God has said. If you don't know what God has spoken. Why? Because the Word of God is the provision of God. The Word of God is the very thing that you and I need in order to possess what we are praying about and desiring. What are you talking about, preacher? This is basically it. When God speaks, His Word creates. When I speak, my Word doesn't create anything. If I said, let there be light, unless there's somebody back there holding the light switch, there ain't going to be any light. But when God says, let there be light, there's light. And there's been light since he spoke it because his word creates. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you that when God speaks, God's word itself is the provision, the contract, and the supply for the thing that you need. So you and I need to know the word of God. It needs to be hidden in our hearts. It needs to be inscribed upon the tablets of our hearts. It needs to be in our mind. It needs to be in our mouth. We need to cite it. We need to speak it. It needs to be on the walls of our homes. It needs to be on your refrigerator. It needs to be in places where your eyes can see it, where your ears can hear it. Why? Because the Word of God produces faith in your life. The Bible said that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. You say, Pastor, you quote that verse almost in every sermon. Get used to it because that is the key to obtaining the promises of God in your life. You're going to need faith for everything you want from God. And in order to have faith, you've got to have the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing gossip? No. Hearing a, a newscaster on the news? No. Hearing a, a uh, soap opera? No. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's why you've got to get those negative voices out of your life. Because unbelief is going to come into your life if you listen to them. But when you listen to the word of God, you are programming your mind to think what God thinks. To believe what God believes. And every one of us has a computer called our mind. And our mind is subject to programming. And some of you have the programming of doubt and fear and worry and unbelief. And that programming is constantly telling you, you can't, you won't, it's never going to happen. What I'm asking you to do tonight is go before God and say, Lord, change the programming in my mind. And I want you to get in the Word and let the Word change the way you think about yourself, the way you think about life, the way you think about your future. Because when you have changed the programming in your mind, now when you see that mountain, you say, that mountain is mine. No matter the circumstances, no matter the opposition, God has spoken. And what God has said, I'm going to believe, I'm going to take it to heart, and I'm going to put it into action in my life. 
He says to Joshua, Joshua, you know the word which the Lord God has spoken. Let me ask you this. Do you know the word that God has spoken over your life? Do you know this book? Have you gotten to know this book? When you read the Bible, and I challenge you to do this because I do this, I want you to put your name in there when you read a promise. I want you to put your name in there and identify it as your own because now you've got to know that this belongs to me. So that when God's word says that all of the promises of God are yes and amen, I read it like this. All of God's promises for Isaac are yes and Isaac's amen. And when I read that, I understand this is not just somebody talking about somebody. This is God talking to me. And God's word to me is what I'm going to live on. It's the bread I'm going to eat. It is, the, it is the diet of my spiritual man. And the word of God, then when you know it, when you understand it, when you get it in your heart, it begins to change and transform your life and the circumstances around you. So every one of you ought to have a journal somewhere where you have written down the words and the promises of God over your life. And maybe it's in your phone or your, some notepad in your phone. Whatever it is, it needs to be written down somewhere. You need to know what God has spoken over your life. I have a, a, a walking staff that I use at the campus there in Kennedy. And that staff I have taken and I have carved into it some Bible verses that God has spoken to my life. And if you go look at that staff, you'll see that one of them is the verse I received. The Sunday that I came to be the pastor of Kingsway Church, the Lord said to me, he said, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. And so what do I think? I say, you know what, that's God speaking to me. And so all the days of my life, I'm going to walk under that word. As God was with Moses, so he shall be with me. So when Kingsway comes against the Red Sea, I'm going to say, as God was with Moses, so he shall be with us. And when we're hungry, I'm going to know that God will provide manna. And when we're thirsty, I know God will provide water from a rock. Why? Because as he was with Moses, so shall he be with me. Now, I don't know the words he's spoken to your life. I don't need to know. You need to know. Say amen, somebody. You need to know. You, you got to know what has God said. What is God saying? in my life and write it down. Know it so that when the enemy comes to contradict it, you can have the assurance in your heart and you can say like Caleb said, Joshua, you know what God said. Now the second thing we see, the second phrase is there in that same, in that same verse. He says, you know the word which the Lord God spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me. At Kedesh Barnea. I want you to underline you and me. And I want you to say it with me out loud. You and me. Turn to your neighbor and say you and me. If your spouse is here, look at them and say you and me. Now in order to conquer a mountain, listen. In order to conquer a mountain, you're going to have to have a team. You're going to have to know who the you and me are for your life. Listen. In order to achieve great things for God, you're going to have to know who your partners are. And you're going to have to know who you can rely on and who God has put in your life and who God hasn't put 
in your life. You know, there are a lot of people who never get anywhere with their dreams and visions and goals because they do not have an understanding of you and me. Listen, if you hang out with people that are going to drag you down, you're never going to conquer a mountain. Sometimes people become luggage in your life, baggage in your life that keeps you out of the promised land, that keeps you out of the place where God wants you to go. So listen, if you're trying to break free from drugs, you've got to break free from the drug addicts in your life. You say, but pastor, they're my friends. No, they're not your friends. They are corrupting you, and they're keeping you out of the blessing of God. If you're trying to achieve financial freedom, you've got to break free from people that are always uh, talking about how you shouldn't tithe and shouldn't give, and they're discouraging you from honoring God with your finances. You've got to get that out of your life. You've got to know these are the people that God has called me to walk with that God has called me to come into agreement with. And that you and me principle is important because Jesus said this. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. What is he saying? He's saying when you, you and somebody else come together in faith and you come in the name of Jesus, whether you're a husband and wife or whether you are two pastors coming together to pray or two believers coming together to agree, whatever it is, Jesus says, I will be in their midst. I'm going to show up and I'm going to show myself my, and manifest my power on their behalf and in their life. When, uh, when you and I understand that, we begin to know, you know what, not every relationship in my life is from God. Not every friend in your life is from God. And you've got to be discerning. And you've got to understand, all right, these people might be around me, but they don't have to speak into my spiritual ear. They don't have to have my spiritual focus or my attention because not everybody is going where you're going. Listen to me. Not everybody is going where you're going. Sometimes young ministers, young preachers, they think, well, you know, I, I, I wish I could go and spend my, my time like all the other young people spend their time. I wish I could spend my time doing what everybody else is doing. But you see, they're not going where you're going. You're going to a place that requires holiness, a place that requires sanctification, a place that requires uh, uh, cutting off the fetters of this world. And so because you're not going where they're going, you can't live the way they live. you got to get around some people that are going to help you conquer the mountain that God put in your life. Pastor, why are you so urgent about this? Because you don't have time to waste. You don't have time to lose. And, and some people might cause you to lose five or ten years worth of your life. And you have to realize, God, who is it that you want in my life? Who are the friends whose voices that you want in my life who I can come into agreement with? Joshua and Caleb were that team. And Caleb looks to Joshua and he says, Joshua, God said this to you and me. He promised this to us. And we still agree. And we still come into agreement there. And when you and I find those types of relationships, we have to protect them and defend them against the strategies of the enemy. Because the enemy is going to try to divide us. The enemy is going to try to uproot us. The enemy is going to try to separate us. You say, Pastor, what do these relationships look like? Well, first of all, it might look like your marriage. 
Listen, if you're married to somebody, that's your you and me relationship. I don't want you to walk out of here and say, Pastor said I got to cut some relationships out of my life. All right? That, it's too late for that. You are married. You are, you are in covenant with one another. That's your you and me relationship. It might be ministry partners that God has brought into your life that, that are voices to encourage you. It might be this church. You know that many of us have a calling to this church. We have a you and me relationship with Kingsway Church where we understand that our future is tied to this church. And what God is going to do here, I want to be a part of. How many of you know that and recognize that? So you and I have to understand where these relationships are and nurture them and cultivate them and protect them as God gives us the wisdom to do so. In verse 7, we have the third thing you have to do in order to conquer your mountain. Verse 7 says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kedesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as was in my heart. Say that with me. As it was in my heart. Now Caleb is expressing the, the third thing that you and I need in order to conquer a mountain. He is expressing the vision of his heart. You know that in order to conquer a mountain, you're going to need vision. You're going to need to have a clear picture of where you're going in order to get there. Listen, if you start your day while just saying, well, let's see what happens today. If you start your year just thinking, well, let's see what this year brings, you're not going to conquer any mountains. You've got to have a vision, a clear understanding in your heart of where God is taking you, of what God is going to do in you and through you. How many of you have a picture in your heart of what God wants to do in your life? Now, if that's you, I want you to say, don't let anybody rob that. Uh, don't let anybody take that from you. Don't let the enemy steal your vision. You know, he's going to throw things at you. He's going to pile things on you. He's going to allow, the enemy wants to allow circumstances to discourage you from what God has spoken into your life. You know that in my spirit, I can see and I have walked through the new building, the new sanctuary of Kingsway Church. And I, I have seen it in my spirit and I know that it exists because God has promised it to us. Listen church, you've got to know where you're going. Otherwise, you'll never know when you get there. And so you got to have a clear vision in your heart that says, this is what God has promised to me. So if you want a house for your family, get a picture in your mind of what that house looks like. What color is it? Does it have shutters? What color are the shutters? Are there shrubs and plants and, and flowers planted in front of it? What color is the door? How many garages does it have? Does it have a playground in the back? Come on, somebody. You've got to have a vision, a clear picture of where it is that God is taking you. Caleb came back and he, he gave a report about what was in his heart. He saw the giants, but that wasn't what was in his heart. He saw victory in his heart. He saw provision in his heart. He saw the conquest of the land in his heart. Can I ask you this morning, this evening, what do you see in your heart? When you close your eyes at night and your heart begins to see what God is doing, what do you see? 
Do you see your marriage being happy? Do you see your children being blessed, going to college, being successful? Do you see yourself being useful to God? Do you see yourself laying hands on the sick and watching them recover? Do you see yourself casting out devils? What do you see? What is the vision that God has put in your heart? Don't let your circumstances today contradict the vision that God has put in your heart because sooner or later, if you keep walking toward that goal, God is going to give you the vision realized in your life. And you're going to say, this is what I've been dreaming about. This is what I have been praying about. This is what I have been waiting on for so long. The Bible says this, write the vision down. Make it plain. Make it clear. Is your vision written down? Do you know what God has spoken to your life? You know, it may not come by tomorrow morning. And some people, they stop dreaming and they stopped believing because they believed on Sunday, but by Monday they didn't see it happen. So I said, well, I guess it's not going to happen. I guess it's not going to come about. I guess God's not going to use me that way. Guess what? You're going to have to hold on to that. Caleb waited on God for 45 years. Pastor, I don't have that long to wait. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know how long it's going to take. But let me tell you this. Those 45 years for Caleb were years in which God was shaping and preparing his life. They were years in which he could have lost the vision. He could have lost the word, but he didn't lose it. He held on to it. He kept believing God. He kept standing on the promise of God. And friend, you and I have to have that same conviction. Caleb said, look, as strong as I was 45 years ago, that's how strong I am today. As, as clear as I could see what God was promising 45 years ago, I can still see it that clearly today. How many of you would like to be as strong as you are today in 40 years? Well, you know, that's what Caleb said. My strength has not failed. I haven't lost either my physical strength or my spiritual strength because God has been the one sustaining me and his word has been moving me forward. Listen, you don't have to die until you've seen God's promise fulfilled in your life. And you can continually walk toward that vision because it's what's in your heart. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that the, 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 the fathers, the patriarchs, they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And although they never, they never found that city in the natural, they never lost faith. They always moved on. Why? Because they had a vision of where God was taking them. They had a vision of what God was promising them and what God was going to do in their life. And you and I have to have that same clarity, that same vision. When you look and you see sickness, you've got to know there's healing somewhere. When you see lack, you've got to know there's provision somewhere. When you see doubt, you've got to know there's faith somewhere. Come on, somebody. You've got to see what God has put in your heart. Now, number four, Caleb says to, to Joshua in chapter uh, 14 and verse 8, he says, Nevertheless, my brethren who went out with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord God fully. Here's step number four. If you want to conquer a mountain, you're going to have to follow the Lord God fully. Say that with me. Follow the Lord God fully. Fully. That word fully means completely. 
What does that mean, Pastor? It means we don't just honor God when we feel like it. Say amen, somebody. It means we don't just do the parts of God's commandments that we like. Caleb said, I honored God fully in every area of my life, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I honored God. I obeyed God. And a lot of people never conquer their mountain because they want to have a haphazard obedience to God. They want to play with God's rules. They think God is a buffet like Luby's where you can choose what you like and not choose what you don't like. God doesn't work that way. God is telling you, if you're going to conquer this mountain, you're going to have to do this my way. You're going to have to do it on my time, on my schedule, with my power. You've got to obey me fully. And obedience to God, listen church, obedience to God is never without its reward. You've got to know that. You've got to understand that. God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who diligently obey him. So that if God gives you ten steps, you don't try to get there in seven. You diligently obey God. You know that we can mark the, the impact of the church in America. Listen, it's very important. We can mark the impact of the church in America and its decline in direct relationship to its obedience to the word of God. When the American church has followed God fully, the American church has seen the power of God. But when the American church starts cutting corners and saying it's okay to sin, it's okay to live this way or that, the American church begins to lose the power of God. You and I cannot afford to do that. Kingsway Church, we need to obey the word of God fully, completely, in all of its aspects and in all of its ways so that we can receive the reward. You know, I need you to know this. Obedience is never without its reward because some of you think like this. You say, well, some, some Christians, they don't go to church. They don't pray. They don't fast. They don't see God. They're still going to heaven. I do pray, I do fast, I do go to church, I do uh, pay my tithe, and I, I'm going to heaven too. So what's the reward? What's the difference? Let me tell you, friend, God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he's not going to leave you unrewarded. He's not going to leave you without doing in your life what he promises. And his rewards are many, and his rewards are great. Listen, quickly. Matthew 6, 6, God promises a reward to those who fast and pray. Matthew 25, verse 37 through 40, God promises a reward to those who show compassion to those who are in need. Matthew, a part of Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, the Bible said that God promises a reward to those who are insulted for the cause of Christ. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, God promises a reward for those who love their enemies. Oh, pastor, I don't really like that one. But guess what? God promises to reward you if you love your enemies. Luke 6, 38, God promises a reward to those who give generously. Are there any givers in the house? Luke 14, 12 to 14, God promises a reward to those who offer hospitality without needing to be repaid. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 17 through 18, God promises a reward to those who endure under pressure. Is there anybody that's ever had to endure under pressure? God says, I'm going to reward you for your endurance. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24, God promises a reward when you do quality work for the people that you work for. You know that if you do good work for the man or the woman you work for, God says they're going to give you a paycheck, but I'm going to give you a reward. I'm going to reward your life for honoring me by doing a good job on that job. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 6 through 7, God offers a reward for those who are faithful in the midst of trials. And 2 John uh, chapter 1, verse 7 through 8, God offers a reward to those who are faithful to the gospel and to the truth. Listen, is God a rewarder or not? Does God bless you or not? Then, then let me know this. Is it worth obeying God fully is it worth obeying God fully Caleb said I have obeyed God fully I have completely obeyed God and and Caleb was able to conquer that mountain number five and the last one the Bible says in verse 12 if you go down to verse 12 about the middle of that verse he says perhaps the Lord will be with me and will drive the giants out as the Lord has spoken. Now, I want you to notice this. This is step five. In order to conquer your mountain, you're going to need the word of the Lord. You're going to need a team. You're going to need vision. You're going to need obedience. But you're also going to need to understand this. This is a God and me project. Say that with me. God and me. Listen to this phrase. Underline that phrase. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and, will, and I will drive them out of the, as the Lord has spoken. Now I want you to pay close attention to those words. First thing he says is perhaps the Lord will be with me. But then he says and I will drive the giants out of the land. Wait a minute. Who's going to do this? Is it going to be God? Or is it going to be Caleb? Well, Caleb said, the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out. What is Caleb letting us understand here? That you and I have a part to play in the conquering of the mountain. A lot of people think, well, I'm just going to sit on my porch and wait for God to say, you know what, Isaac, I have already cleared out that mountain. It's yours now. You can move in. But God doesn't work that way. God expects you and I to get up and to pursue the mountain that he's promised us. You and I have to do our part. This is a, a you and God project. You're going to have to do your part. God's going to do his part. And when you work alongside of God, you are empowered with spiritual strength and spiritual power that is far beyond anything that you could have dreamed or imagined. Listen, church. There is a balance here that you and I need to understand. God is sovereign, but man is responsible. God will do his part, but you have to do your part. You have to get up in the morning and go after that mountain. You have to pursue that education. You have to go after that dream. You have to pursue that business. Listen, if God has promised you a business, 
and he sends you customers to that business, God's not going to do the work for you. You're going to have to do that work. You're going to have to run that business. You're going to have to show up and do the best you can and go and, and, and go above and beyond the call. Why? Because God's doing his part, but you've got to do your part. And, and when you and I see this, we see it in every aspect of our life. Listen, I'll give you an example. If you pray for healing, you got to get up also and take a jog every once in a while. Say amen, somebody. You, you've got to put away the enchiladas and the casserole and pick up a salad every once in a while. If you're going to pray for healing, God's going to do his part. But you got to go do your part. you got to go and, and, and put your body in action so that you can receive the benefit of the blessing of God on your life. God's not going to bless you with health while you sit and eat potato chips on your couch. Say amen, somebody. It's you and God. You say, Lord, I want you to bless my finances. Well, it's you and God. God will bring the opportunities. God will open the doors. God will supply the jobs. Guess who's got to do the job? You have to do the job. Guess who has to take the opportunities? You have to take the opportunities. You have to do what is within your power. God will provide the resources, but you've got to spend them wisely. You've got to bring your tithe to the Lord. You've got to honor God with your wealth. Bring your offering to the Lord. That's part of you doing your part to honor God. To do what God has required of you. If I say, Lord, I, wanna, I want to see um, a, a thousand souls one to Christ. Guess what I have to do? I've got to start preaching. I've got to allow God to use my mouth and to use my life to become a message so that those people can hear the gospel. What am I telling you? Caleb understood this. He knew God is going to give me the grace. God is going to give me the strength. But I have to conquer the mountain. I have to go and put my foot on it. I have to go and, t and put my hands on it. But this is what Caleb understood. When I put my foot on, God puts his foot on it too. And when I put my hand on it, God puts his hand on it too. Because it's me and God. It's the God that's living on the inside of me. And on the inside of you. It's empowering you to take full possession of that mountain. He says, perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive out those giants from the land. And you know, at 85 years old, Caleb went to that mountain with the blessing of God on his life. With the Spirit of God on his life, he went to that mountain, and he stared those giants in the kneecap, and he brought them down. Every last one of them, he brought them down, and God gave him provision, and he gave him the mountain. Why? Because he believed God. Because he knew the word that God had spoken to him. And because he knew the team that God had put beside him. And because he had a vision in his heart and a perfect obedience toward God. And he had in his mind, in his, his heart, the understanding that God's not going to do this for me. I've got to go and pursue what God has promised. And I'll have God's blessing in what I do. Because the Bible says this that about the righteous man. It says, whatsoever he does will prosper. Not whatever he thinks about doing. Not whatever he would like to do or hopes to do. But whatsoever he does 
will prosper. You have to do something. And God says, what you do, I'll prosper it. I'll bless it. You might, you might say, well, I'm thinking about having a Project Matthew dinner. I'm not sure yet. I'm not, I don't really know. And God can't bless that. God can't bless what you're thinking about doing. But if you say, you know what, I'm going to have a Matthew dinner, and whoever shows up, shows up, but I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. Guess what? God says, all right, now I have a vessel that I can fill. I have a life that I can use, and I can bless this because you're doing something. You're taking that step of faith. Can I challenge you tonight? Don't just look at that mountain and say, well, I wish. Take that mountain by faith. Conquer as God causes you to conquer. It may not come in a day. It may not come in a year. But if you walk in perfect obedience toward God, it will come. And you will see that God is good for his word. And that God will use you in ways that you didn't even know were possible. Because he wants and is looking for a vessel that will believe him, that will trust him, that will obey him. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to just invite you into this altar. Because all of you said you have a mountain in your life that you want to conquer. I want you just to come into this altar tonight and say, Lord, I want to do the things that need to be done. Because I want to take possession of the mountain. I want to finish the race. I want to run the course. I want to do this thing that is in my heart. It's burning me up. It's burning me up, God, to do something that is pleasing to you, to impact the kingdom of God. Tonight, God is calling you up to say, look, this is just a pit stop. I'm going to give you some new tires. I'm going to put some gas in your tank because there's a race to run. You're not done. You're not finished. There's still something for you to do. Tonight I've called you in because I want you to call, conquer this mountain. To take possession of what I have promised to you and to your life. Come on, just go boldly before the throne of God. Just commit to him tonight and say, Lord, I want to follow you fully. I want to obey you fully. Above all, God, I want to believe you. I want to trust you because I want to see your glory in my life. I want to see your glory in my generation.